0: Organize your amazing
1: ideas into a powerful book, you are in the right place. At the right time to learn how to write your book. Hi, I'm Joyce Glass. And I'm Sherry Lynn Bisbono and welcome to the Right Hour Nonfiction Tips from the Right Coach Team. We are so glad you joined us today.
0: Welcome to episode 902 of The Right Hour. This season, we are focusing on how to grow your platform on social media. If you are writing a book, you need to grow your platform before you finish the book. If you want to have people ready and waiting for your book, take them on the journey with you. Last week, Keith Keller shared how to promote your book on Twitter, and this week, his friend Jeff Sheehan is going to share how to become an influencer on Twitter. With over 40 years of high-tech global sales, marketing, and advertising experience with many Fortune 500 companies including Intel, Apple Computer, IBM, Hewlett Packard, and AT&T as well as many others, Jeff is an IBM influencer, social selling and marketing consultant, and job search mentor as well as the former volunteer director of the Holy Spirit Catholic Church Career Ministry in Atlanta. He co-authored the book, Hired, Passed to Employment for the Social Media Era. With over 340,000 followers on Twitter, he has been recognized as one of the top people in the world to follow on Twitter for social media, marketing, and sales. And he's been listed among the top 50 people most retweeted in the world by mid-sized marketers. Jeff is a well-known speaker nationally and in the Atlanta area on thought leadership, the use of LinkedIn, personal branding, social media, marketing, and technology. Jeff is a Toastmaster, volunteers extensively for multiple charities, and a guest lecturer at many universities throughout the U.S. You can learn more about Jeff in the show notes and connect with him on LinkedIn and Twitter. We are so excited today to be together with uh, Mr. Jeff Sheehan.
1: Uh, Hey, Sherilyn, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have Jeff on the program today.
2: Well, thank you. I'm glad to be joining you guys uh, from getting to be called here.
0: Well, Jeff, tell us about you and what led you to write your book, Hired Paths to Employment in the Social Media Era. Ten and a half
2: years ago, I was with a Japanese company. This year, sales, 16 billion, or so 50,000 employees. Traveled around the world for many years. They came to a screeching halt, which uh, I was I had anticipated because the fact that I hadn't reached the VP Present of the organization. So, in Japanese culture, once you get in your 50s, they give you so called window seats. So, uh, and then at 60, unless you're actually a board member, you rock the door for the most part. Uh, and so, what I did is, after I uh, was downsized, I went to a, a job uh, fair or career ministry, I started a guy speak on LinkedIn. And he was very, very good. Uh, at that time, he was probably the leading LinkedIn spokesperson in town. He had 30,000 LinkedIn connections, most you can have. And so I said, this guy is really good. However, I feel I know as much as he does in, in a lot of respects uh, with regard to the job search, with regard to actually communicating that to uh, other individuals. So it was several months later that I teamed up with a gentleman that, uh, that I had previously worked with at Morata, and we decided that we, we were going to a partner on doing some things with regard to the job search and helping people out. So he got us a speaking gig at Justice Ferry, Baptist this church where you were married. By yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, not, not less than a mile from my house actually. So very, very closely. So w- with that, we started out and uh, talked about LinkedIn, talked about Twitter, talked about some of the other social media tools for the job search. Mm-hmm. That led, uh, we subsequently parted of ways with regards to speaking. It was a little bit cumbersome for two speakers to talk about the same topic in some respects. So I ended up uh, getting uh, other speaking gigs, continuing my volunteer efforts. Uh, one of them was St. Anne's Catholic Church, a uh, career ministry here, uh, right down the street from my house. And uh, talked there quite frequently. I also helped people that were job seekers. So i attend the meeting every Tuesday night. And I gleaned an awful lot of information with regard to what people were uh, looking for and what some of the concerns were and the problems. So with that, uh, this gentleman who's in there, the guy in up co-authoring the booklet, he heard me speak. And he immediately gravitated towards me and said, geez, I want you for these sessions we're doing at Georgia State on Saturday mornings. So I elected to join them. And one other guy who was a recruiter, and we gave these workshops on the job search so with that, we decided to partner and put together a small business with regard to talking uh, – it was called Transition Ship, it was like 10 steps to finding a job. And each one of them were based upon uh, a certain step in the process. We put that together and did a number of videos and everything else. Unfortunately, uh, his pricing, uh, direction versus mine, were uh, exact opposite because of the fact that uh, – on the internet, you can't charge a great deal of money for programs, particularly job seekers, and be successful. So, we cut our ways on that. However, we, in the meantime, we put together this book that was based upon what we learned of in putting together this online program. So, the book was called Hired Past Employment Social Media area, and did a lot of the production work and everything else associated with it. And the two of us said, did writing his writing style is better than mine, so uh, he used a little bit more. I tend to be uh, a lot more reserved in, in some of the things. He's a little bit more front line, so we did that, put it together, and then uh, released it, self published it, released it, and it's been on Amazon for a number of years now. It's done reasonably well, uh, probably speaking. Yeah. But, yeah, but it was a labor, it's been more a labor of love than anything else, but honestly. But it has opened some doors for me. As a matter of fact, uh, I think one of the things that I've been doing off and on over the last five and a half years uh, and was doing some work for IBM as an influencer in that. And I think the, the book was a door opener in that regard. I would think so. I would think so. Yes, yeah, so that helped. Uh, so it was a blessing in that uh, way with regard to creating an opportunity at IBM for me, it being one of the you know, select few. I think there were 25, 30 of us in that influencer group at IBM, which was a lot of fun, quite honestly. And that subsequently led to publishing, I think, about 14 or 15 articles for IBM. Wow. Uh, that is, that is Congratulations. Famous- yeah, uh, so I wrote them and they were put on the IBM website. I think only one of them is still out there now because what they did is a beta website that they're using for digital marketing and it's probably where IBM sold that business to someone else to another company to I think private equity group. And then the website has been down. So what can you do? It is what it is. But I had yeah, the I had the benefit of writing fourteen to fifteen articles on them with regard to artificial intelligence and some other subject areas. Uh, so wow. it was quite rewarding in that uh, yeah.
1: respect. And do you have copies of those
2: articles? Uh, I have copies. Uh, I, unfortunately, before they took the website down, I didn't clip them from the website. I should have, but I <laughs> don't have what I wrote. So
1: Yeah. So Which I'll probably about-
2: republish. Pardon?
1: So you've been talking about LinkedIn. That's how you got started. But you've been recognized as one of the top people in the world to follow on Twitter for
2: right, media,
1: right. marketing, and sales. So tell us about how that happened and what's your secret?
2: Oh, Okay. Uh, quite honestly, the secret was being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, there's so much in life. It's the same thing with LinkedIn in some respects. I mean, I'm probably an early adopter there and not not one of the first ones, but I was I was probably within the top of a few million, I would think. I can't, I'm not exactly sure. But I was at the right place at the right time. And I jumped in with both feet. It's really did what I could to uh, make connections on both platforms. Like on, on Twitter, back years ago, you could actually uh, – there was a tool that you could use to follow people so, uh, automatically. So what I did is I set it up to follow people that were in marketing. So I was out there – I was curating articles – uh, on marketing and pretty much limited to that. I, you know, SEO, email marketing, content marketing, and a few other disciplines within the marketing sector. They followed people in the marketing sector. So what they did is they saw what I was curating and published, and it really helped from a standpoint of gathering followers uh, so it can't be in the right place at the right time.
1: Joyce and I were in the right place at the right time when I found Keith on Twitter and he led us to you. I mean, you two are like the top people for Twitter and we're trying to help writers on Twitter grow their Twitter and other platforms. So we've been in the right place at the right time. So we know what that feels like. Right,
2: correct. It's so much life uh, is that uh, way. You know, divine intervention or serendipitous encounters. As a matter of fact, uh, and I share this story when I, at the career ministries. I, I, right now I'm involved at Rossum United Methodist Church, and I give a, a LinkedIn workshop there to uh, job seekers every uh, two weeks. And so with that, what I do is I, I talk about my experience and talking to strangers and divine intervention, being in the right place at the right time. Right. And I I actually found uh, what I did, and I'll share this story with you. It was a blizzard of 78 in Boston. You couldn't get out of Boston. Uh, it was Logan Airport had been closed for a week. I, was, I, I remember
1: that. Yeah. I remember that. I lived right off the highway, Jeff, and we had trucks backed up off the highway for two miles right in front of our house. We fed those people peanut butter and jelly <laughs> sandwiches and gave them coffee. Right. I,
2: I can believe it. So what happened is we, uh, a couple of my friends and I were going down to the Virgin Islands on vacation. So we were on one of the first flights out of Logan, to I think it was a 7 a.m. flight from uh, Logan to San Juan. And the airport was open that I think it opened that morning at 6 a.m. We were on the 7 a.m. flight to San Juan. So I got off the flight uh, and then boarded another small 20-seater from San Juan to St. Thomas. And the guy got on with his wife a little bit a Girl, and I said, Hi, Hawaii. We got off that. He checked in the same hotel, it was in front of us. I said, Hi, Hawaii. Two days later, we're out in the water, water there in St. Thomas, it's pretty tranquil. And we struck up a conversation once again. And I said, uh, you know, Hi, how you doing? And he asked me uh, what I did. I said, I worked for Bank of Boston. I was a management trainee in the real estate division. And the bank, uh, it's Boston Safe Deposit Trust Company. It's now Bank of New York Mellon. And I said, well, I really, I've really i been there for two years, but I want to get into high-tech marketing and sales. And I said the reason – I didn't tell him this at the time, but the reason it had always been in the back of my mind, my father could have joined digital equipment company when they had like five employees or seven employees, employees, or something like that. He missed out the opportunity there at the lifetime. So I wanted to really get in. Uh, high-tech. It, it messages a with of high-tech companies. He said, guess what? I'm the co-founder of a high-tech company in Hockerton. Uh, I didn't, uh, give me a call and we get back. What I'll do is I'll give my business card back at the beach. My wallet's there. I have a business card and you give me a call. So I did that. And went out and interviewed with them, uh, the other co-founder as well as several of the subordinates. And two days later, I had a job offer. It uh, launched a 40-year-plus career in high-technology marketing sales, which led me to work with Intel, Hewlett Packard, IBM, Apple Computer, uh, AT&T, you name it. I worked with all the major brands in the oh. world to travel the world with all these oh. companies. Just wow. phenomenal opportunity, which I would never in my life if it's a result of blind intervention, serendipitous, and con- But also because, uh, and I stress this, there's a book called uh, Talk to Strangers, And I talk about this in my career ministry work as well. What they'll do, oh, no, they'll sit behind their computer all day and they'll apply to job boards or they'll try to do things virtually. And face-to-face meetings, go on the networking meetings and get yourself out there. I agree. And if you sit sit there, opportunities are never going to uh, present themselves. Like you too bad at a conference. Imagine if you hadn't gone to that conference you would not have had the opportunity to work together with one no. another. No. So it's, it's incumbent upon everyone, particularly job seekers, to use these tools of social media to get out there and meet people. The same with writers. They need to use these as tools to get out to go to the right networking meetings, connect with the influencers in their respective communities or the markets that they serve, and help their business grow accordingly. If they just if they what? try to do things virtually, they'll never succeed. I agree.
0: That's what I was going to say, Jeff, when you said making that connection with that man. I was like, you know, that is so valuable that you got to be able to speak up and connect with people because you never know who you're sitting next to, who they could somehow help you in some way. And like Sharon and I have known each other for years before we actually connected to work together. So there you never know what can kind help. Of- Make today what, how they can help you in the future too. So what? Absolutely. Yeah, what's a common mistake that writers make while marketing on social media? Um, that well, I think
2: I, th- I think I think that they make is unfortunately you can't see it right now. Okay, and I give this. This is part of my talk that I give to job seekers. I said, "What is this?" and uh, they'll say a wrench. I said, no, it's a tool. It's one of the many tools in your toolbox. You have to consider it as such. Social media is a tool. Right. It's not a panacea. You have to think that way. You have to use all the tools that you can in your toolbox, but consider the Pareto Principle, uh, 80 you know, 20 rule, that certain tools are going to provide the majority of the return on investment. You need to think along those lines. Uh, sometimes you put things out there and they'll be crickets. I want to listen to it, I want to engage, or what have you. It's a numbers game. And you have to think of it as well. And it's saturated. I call uh, right now social media, it's a content tsunami. They're, everyone is just inundated, bombarded with messages. They call this uh, now about video this and video that. I think to different. Ten years ago, I was working with two guys, and they said this is a year of video. And some of the videos that they produced at that particular time uh, Probably today, to expect the content is going to necessarily drive uh, all kinds of windfalls with regard to your books. The other thing I want the fallacy is as writers are concerned and book publishing, uh, very few authors make a ton of money with books. So right. I think that they Correct. need to realize that they're not that it's in some cases it can be a labor of love. However, it does open doors for you. Right, and that's what people need. If you put out something that's substantive, like the book uh, Hired, I think there are over 300 pages, so it's very substantive. I saw one yesterday. Someone put out uh, a book, and they were offering it on Facebook, uh, through a Facebook ad, and I went and checked it out. It was less than 100 pages. To right. me, that's not credible. That, that is not substantive. Uh, so you want to make sure that it's something substantive in order that the people will uh, purchase it right. unless it's a compelling case why it's only uh, less than 100 pages. But otherwise, put something together, put some media into it, and do the best that you can do with regard to publishing.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
2: You, will, you won't be able to get off. You, you might as well shoot yourself in some respects because right. you cannot do an effective job. You need to pick out and find out where is your target audience? What platforms are they on? Right. And then uh, concentrate on your efforts accordingly because otherwise... You will not get anything done except working on your social media posts. And it can't be just a bunch of noise that no one's listening, no one's engaging with you. So what good is it? So there's a diminishing rate of return. Where's the return on investment for in your activities? And think about that. But more, most importantly, with regard to writers, is who is their target audience? I bet if you asked a lot of writers, and that's something that I think is incumbent upon what you guys are doing, is asking the question, what is your target audience? Is it it limited? Is it broad? Where do they reside? What do the demographics look like? You need to write to your audience. And everything you do on social media should be for your audience for the most part. I mean, you can have some things that might be a little bit different with regard to what you propose, but it should be directed to solving the problems Uh, that they have the pain, addressing pain points, and everything else regarding that target audience.
0: Right. Don't
2: don't deviate from that.
0: That's exactly what we teach them in our class and uh, in our courses. Because if you aren't writing to that reader, you're not going to connect with them. And you've got to know who that person is. And so that's always important to figure that out. And the same thing, like you said, goes then when you're doing any kind of social media, like you said, be where they're at and know what they want. You know, know what their what's their pain point. What are you helping them do? What can you help them? Because even if a story, you know, I tell people all the time they talk about memoirs. I'm like your memoir still needs to have a point because unless, you know, you're a Bill Gates or Kobe Bryant or somebody like that. Yeah, no, people aren't going to read it unless it has a powerful, compelling story that's going to somehow help them in their life.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The, the other thing as writers, what I would highly suggest, and this has been very helpful to me, is build a tribe. Yeah. Yes. A social media, our P- community, uh, of people that will be supportive of you once you launch your book. Mm-hmm. And one of the best ways of doing that is by supporting fellow authors. Mm-hmm. And, for instance, uh, I can tell you I've done my best over the years to support fellow authors out there, particularly in the marketing arena and networking, what have you. I made some great connections. I've met some wonderful people, such as uh, Bob Berg. Do you know Bob Berg is? Uh, Endless Referrals and the Go-Getter series. Yeah. I so, I mean, you know, I'm friends with Bob. I've been supporting him for years. Uh, so... I retweet his things, I comment about his books and everything else. So Bob knows me, and I've met with him for lunch and what have you. So Bob is one. Another one is Stu Heineke. He wrote a book called How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, and then a a new book called Get the Meeting. And Stu is out in uh, Washington State. But I'm friends with him. I've met with him. Uh, And so uh, Brian Kramer, um, many others with regard to people that have helped uh, publicize the respective books. So we'll send here locally, Sarah Crossman Sullivan. Enjoy, she's someone you should definitely should meet. She's very influential. She's very, very nice here uh, mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Uh, Dr. Derek Dr. Gillespie, uh, she's a prominent physician here in Atlanta, and she's on uh, CNN with Dr. Rosnan. These are all people I've met and people I've supported. Uh, right. I, I consider them as part of my community and tribe. Uh, trying to be supportive of one another that's so critical yeah. that's
1: part of the 80 20 jeff you're giving 80 percent to other people and then the other 20 percent, you might be advertising your own book or what you do that's right. part of the 80 20 and it's mostly other people not yourself that's that's what they want and you you epitomize that jeff by supporting other people
2: yeah, try to do it to the best of my ability. And I, I can tell you unequivocally, the boomerang doesn't always come back. Sometimes it's a boomerang.
1: That's a stick if it doesn't come back. <laughs>
2: yeah, it, it, no, it, you know, the thing is, but sometimes it does, and it, it really makes you feel good. But that's the way you have to support. I mean, mm. authors now are like starving artists in, in some respects, like speakers. Uh, I don't know if most people realize this or not, but most speakers do not make uh, much money whatsoever. Now, unlike 20 years ago, speakers used to get paid a ton of money. Yeah. Now there are few and far between they can pay a lot of money. Most of them, speakers really have a rough go of it. Even, yeah. I mean, I know some very, very talented speakers that uh, aren't making uh, too much money, and, and they're phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, right. So be supportive of others is one of the things. But be genuine. Don't support them because you feel oh, I'm going to get something from them. Right. Um, so- Jeff,
1: we you are a social media influencer, and you hang out with social media influencers on Twitter and other places. And Joyce and I are just starting to meet some of those social media influencers like yourself and Keith and others. What are the traits of a social media influencer? Uh,
2: it's, I think the number one thing is, like I said, uh, trying to help others with regards yeah. to the journey. And, and then look at uh, from a standpoint is. If you look at the follower-following ratio, mm-hmm. if they're following uh, 100 people and they have 10,000 followers, there's something inherently wrong. They, they will not be in your corner. They won't have your back. Right. They will not engage with you. So that's one of the litmus tests that I use with regard to who I engage with. I mean, there are some people out there that are celebrities, and their ratios, they still, you know, 60 70%. Uh, ratios. Right. Uh, Maria Shriver will uh, engage you. There are others that will engage. and but However, they try to follow people back as much as possible. Uh, you can put people on lists on Twitter if you don't want to uh, follow or engage with them, but you put them on lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are ways of managing your Twitter following and, and follow people. I think following them is very, very critical and engage with them by putting them on lists. You can uh, tap into that list to find out these are the key players that should be engaged with on a daily basis or whatever. But it can be done. And I think it's gen- You need to show genuine behavior and, and nothing that uh, has you as an egotist to that. I look at that as a, like I said, a benchmark. Uh, I can tell I'm looking at someone with regard to their ratio. If, if, are they ever going to engage with me? Uh, for instance, was a, I don't want to say who it was, but uh, a couple weeks ago, this person had a, a book that was rated number one on the publisher's list. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the New York Times, it was a publisher's uh, Choice, I think, or something like that. But it was in the Sunday paper here in Atlanta. So what I did is I on the number one. Uh, Crickets, nothing in return whatsoever, you know, thanking me or whatever. So to, would I allegiance to that individual? Probably not. Uh, and there are others out there that I've commented on the book. So they've come back and they've thanked me for actually uh, giving some accolades or whatever with regards to the book and promoting the book accordingly. They've been very, very happy. So, right. engagement is critical with your success. So, right is, if they're going to be out there putting things, they need to engage with the people that are promoting them, that are trying to help them out mm-hmm. accordingly. If if
1: try to everybody who follows me, even if I follow them first and they follow me back. And I love to thank them and give them like a, a a little gift that says, thank you or something like that, because that's what I would want. And, and, and they start, I mean, I've been doing this with Twitter influencers, people that I'm very interested in following because I would like to promote them and I love their content. And so I do that with them and they, Follow me. Some follow me back. Some thank me. Some send me a gift back. So I just think, like you said, you you need to be social and you need to be there.
2: Right. I mean, I try to do it as well, but it's very, very difficult, quite honestly, with the size of my networks. I have over yes, 21,000. Yeah. I have 21,000 plus on LinkedIn. I have 347,000 on uh, Twitter. And it becomes, you know, going to networking meetings here, and that becomes very, very cumbersome. But I try my best, quite honestly. Uh, I wish I could thank each and every individual. But I do it all myself, so it's very, very difficult. Right. But they need to do that. Writers need to be doing that.
0: Definitely, especially if you are just starting out, you need to make that a point and build those relationships. Correct. any books or tools that writers can use to market their books on Twitter or any of the social media platforms like LinkedIn?
2: Well, for, for instance, I mean, I've been using it for years Hootsuite to schedule my tweets and Bitly as a short. I, I like Bitly because of the fact that it has analytics and I can use that accordingly. But Hootsuite allows uh, me to uh, curate articles. It's been very, very beneficial to me over the years. Wait. Well, no, Hootsuite has been a godsend for me. I've been using it for years and really uh, love it. Uh, it's allowed me to post it. I, the postings to LinkedIn I always do live, and mm-hmm. I post it accordingly. And it, like I said, LinkedIn has been uh, very useful for me as well. But it's a one-two punch in Twitter and LinkedIn with regard to what I've been doing over the years. I haven't played too much with YouTube, although I small you know, a few videos here and there that I put up there. Uh, Instagram, wow. it's more personal stuff, trips and things like that, but for uh, you know LinkedIn and that. And I, I promote it. I mean, for instance, if someone comes out with a new book like Stu I'll put that on LinkedIn. It mm-hmm. and, and actually is a post. And then I'll tag Stu, I'll tag other people that I think have an interest in that respect in the book. And I'll get thousands of views sometimes. It depends upon the subject matter uh, with regard to Uh, the virality on LinkedIn. Right. So That's the
0: power of it. Is And that's what Cass has been teaching us is the power of Twitter. Um, And the things that you can do is exponential to most other platforms because the way it reaches people.
2: Right, correct. And people all over the world. Yes. But remember, remember it's important, though, that your target audience is other people that are engaging with you. True. Yes.
1: That is true. the great,
2: and, you know, the numbers mean a great a fan matrix, right? sure so, that you're able to sell books as well.
1: Yeah. I, people- go, go
2: ahead. I'm
1: sorry. I wish uh, Keith was saying that it's better to have like a hundred people who are dedicated to you and your tribe that are following you. To get the word out than uh, uh, ten thousand people who are just there.
2: <laughs> right, right, correct. In some respects, uh, and it, there are two schools of thought in that. One thing: if you do have a large following, uh, then it's a vanity metric from a so, yeah. from a positioning perspective, because people think. And what happened to me? Uh, what was anything I've done with regard to that is all organic. I did not want a follower. So one day, I was sitting there with my computer uh, with regard to growing uh, the number of followers, although I've slowed down. I don't have the time to continue to grow like I used to. However, I saw this one guy came out of the blue. All of a sudden, he was close to me and, uh, with regard to the number of followers. I said, how did this guy... Uh, uh-huh. it's where he is. So what I did is I actually looked at his followers. They all were bots. They all fake accounts. Yes. What he was doing, I saw someone else like years ago. I don't want to name, running a digital marketing business, and they listed twenty different uh, titles within that business. And so what happened is they were actually uh, stuffing each one of those positions with keywords, so that if someone did a search it would actually uh, show up number one. Generous. Totally unethical. And to this day, I want nothing to do with this one individual. If you printed out this individual's uh, LinkedIn profile, it would have probably extended for like 10 feet from wow. a crowd. Just- oh, Wow. You.
1: you. want to hear some great news? Yes. They're, tr- they're getting rid of, from my understanding, they're getting rid of all the bought, anything anybody who bought followers, they're deleting those followers from people's accounts. Oh, they are. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, they did, they did that, uh, some time ago with mine. So I, I did it one time. I had three and a six, I something. Wow. Yeah, because what they, what they did is they cleaned
1: out. Well, we have to wrap up our show, okay. but we, I just want to add, we want to ask you one question. Sure. What words of advice or encouragement do you have for writers who want to market their books on social media or who may want to try to follow or be an influencer
2: well first of all they inform maybe they get a sense of what I'm doing okay with me yes. Th- that would help. Uh, I don't have all the answers. And quite honestly, I learn something new every single day. That's why if you look at my profile, I don't have expert. I'm not going to put out LinkedIn expert or Twitter expert. I had to for competitive purposes. But otherwise, if I hear someone say they're a social media expert or marketing expert, I hold on to my wallet as, as strongly as I can. And I advise anyone in the audience to hold it to the wallets or the pocketbooks and run for the nearest exit because the fact that you can't learn all this, there's just no, it's too much. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. And every, like I said, every single day, it's uh, something new that comes along that you have to master. So that's one of the things. Don't be overwhelmed with it. Uh, Pick where does your target audience reside? What are they doing? Connect with the people uh, that are influencers. On those people, what they're doing, retweet this stuff, or if you're on LinkedIn, uh, comment, or like, whatever they're doing, because that'll pay handsome dividends for what you're doing accordingly. But that's what I, and also get out there and network. Uh, one final thing is join Toastmasters. Are you guys in Toastmasters? I was. I oh, loved you.
1: it. I, oh, yes,
2: you indicated. Yes. Yeah, I've been to Toastmasters for eight and a half years. Best thing I ever did, and I hired anyone anyone. If they're a writer, three, there are 340,000 people Toastmasters uh, worldwide. I think there are 4,000 here in Atlanta. So it's an incomparable uh, productivity and networking opportunity, as well as the ability to help you speak better, uh, lead groups, and what have you. Just an incredible organization. And all writers, if they're serious about their craft, should up their game in the verbal communication sector. They can do that through Toastmasters.
1: I believe every speaker needs to write a book so but thank you so much we, we would love to we would love to interview you for another hour just about linkedin right. but we keep we try we call it the right hour so we try to keep it to an hour but i want to thank you for being here and i know this won't be the last time we talk
2: well thank you very much pleasure and uh, stay warm up there in uh, rhode island
0: Yeah, Well, thank you so much. Um, We appreciate it.
3: Hi, guys. It's Keith Keller in Melbourne, Australia, and I've just had the great privilege of being interviewed on the Right Hour podcast. I'm very excited about the materials we're sharing there. I think it's very important that you begin with the end in mind. You know marketing is part of the puzzle now. It's 2020 and books don't sell themselves. So I want you to start thinking about building a community before you need them. We've got a six-part podcast series for that, how to promote your book using Twitter. I've been doing this for years. I've got a system and Joyce and Lynn pulled it apart in the the podcast uh, today, but also in a six-part series that I'm very proud that we're now offering. So click on the link there. It's how to promote your book using Twitter. It's a six part series, and we work you through how to build a community before you need them so that when the book comes out, you can hit the ground running.
1: joining us on this episode of The Right Hour. Our goal is to help you achieve your writing dreams. You are one step closer to write your book. Learn how to get the book out of your head with the four steps we teach our clients. Sign up for the free email series at therightcoach.biz. The link is in the show notes.
0: The four steps help you clarify your focus, create and organize your content, and complete your book. We share tips on the writing process and you can download the writing planner to track your progress.
1: Don't let fear and overwhelm keep you from writing your book.
0: It's time to write your book.